Words fill a page. Pages fill a chapter. Chapters fill a book. Every decision, big and small, writes the story of your life. Unfortunately, some people leave portions of their story unwritten. Sometimes that's why you need to go ahead and take the risk. My story, I decided to go. Morning. Good to see you here this morning. We are wrapping up the series we've called My Story. We started it on Easter. And we've been looking at what it's like to invite God uh, to lead us as we write story of our life. Um, many of you here have done that. You've invited him in. He's leading you. Um, maybe many, many of you years ago, uh, some more recently. Uh, you may be here considering what it means to follow Christ. Uh, wherever you're at in relation to Jesus being the leader of your life, we're glad you're here. And uh, hope, hopefully if you've been here, this series has been a help to you. Uh, today we're looking at the need to go forward. We've looked at different, different aspects, uh, different decisions that we make to start, stop, stay, and go. Um, today our, our older lady introduced the topic to us, and she said this, Unfortunately, some people leave portions of their story unwritten unwilling to take the risks that come. The big idea this morning is sometimes the best decision you can make is to go when it would be easier to stay. <clears throat> now, all of us fall along a spectrum of uh, attitudes toward risk. Some are extremely risk-averse. <laughs> we don't like it at all, and others of us are more open to risk. And there's, there's this sliding scale based on the level of impact the decision is going to have on our life. Uh, at least I would hope there's, there's a sliding scale. Uh, for, for instance, trying new foods. I'm, I'm extremely risk averse here. I will if I have to, if I'm going to offend somebody by not eating the food before me that's new, then I'll do it. But, Here's a picture of some sushi. Um, I, I'm not, you know, about 30 years ago, a friend of mine took me out for sushi. I, I quickly looked over the menu and ordered the, the only cooked thing on it. And he didn't let me get away with it. You know, that was new to me then. I've, I've had some sushi since then. It's pretty tasty. It tastes mostly like whatever you dip it into. That, that's, that's what I've decided, so why pay that much money for something that tastes just like what you dip it into? Just drink the stuff or whatever. So anyway, <laughs> that's a little too much about my risk averseness to, to uh, that kind of food. Vacationing, another category where you, you might be the kind of person who likes to explore new destinations. Uh, Others of us have a favorite spot. We stick to that spot. We don't want to spend all that money and try something new that's not going to really be that great. 
So we're, we're thinking this through. Now that's not too impactful on the, the risk scale, is it? So you go on vacation, you come back, it wasn't the greatest time. Sports and recreation, another arena where there's a scale from, you know, risk averse to, now I'm not doing this ever. I'm not even, I was at the Grand Canyon and out on the, one of those ledges and I got a little, I'm not going there. Uh, this could have a lot more impact on your life. So, you, you know, you want to think this kind of thing through. Starting a business. Um, this idea is out of the question for some. They'd rather find a company to work for. Dating. Blind dates. Very risky. This is a picture of speed dating. Not quite. I, I don't know if that's as risky as a blind date. You know, where you have to have the set up call to get out of it, away from the table, where you might be in for a couple of hours or whatever. Um, anyway, dating is somewhat more impactful on your life than choosing to eat sushi. Um, the decision of who you're going to marry is major on the risk scale. Um, some are willing to jump right in without thinking about it, because true love has landed on them, and some are, are that's, that's an odd way to put that, isn't it, sorry, and uh, some, some are inching toward the altar at a snail's pace, that's the way it goes, um, all, all of these decisions have a different risk factor embedded into them, uh, eating sushi, obviously lower on the scale, uh, compared to choosing who you're going to marry. Today, what we're going to look at is times when we need to step out in faith to take a risk to fulfill God's purpose for our life. There are times when we need to do that. In this series, we, we're talking about the fact, and we're wrapping it up today, the decisions we make today determine the stories we tell tomorrow. And this has been our theme verse. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In this series, what we've really been doing is unpacking the the implications of different aspects of this passage right here. We've been pulling truths and commands and ideas out of it. For a Christ follower, Jesus is the author and perfecter of their faith. And he wants to work with us to write a story that has a storyline that gets better and better in the here and now and then fantastic in the, in the next life on into eternity. But we have to start. At some point, we have to start. We have to choose to start following him. We looked at that on Easter. To write a new story, we're also going to need to stop we got to stop some things. we got to stop the counterproductive thoughts and habits that are going to keep us 
all tied up in knots and block our progress toward the goals God has for us. So we need to stop by throwing off the things that hinder and entangle us. We'll, we'll also need to stay. We looked at that last week. We need to stay under the pressure that comes as we try to do God's will because everything important in life is stressful. It's the way it is in this life. The next life, not so much. But in this life, everything we set out to do is stressful. That really matters. If it matters, like, for instance, marriage, parenting, work. If we're trying to make progress at work uh, to pull together with a company that provides the li- a living for the people involved in it or whatever endeavor we're in, we're pulling together. It's difficult. Ministry. Doesn't seem like ministry would be that hard, but it's, it's tough. It's a battle. It's hard to, to continually look out for God's interests and what He wants us to do and for the people around us. But for the joy set before Him, this passage says, Jesus endured the cross. He hung in there. Often, We need to stay under the pressure to fulfill God's purpose for our lives. Notice what verse 2 tells us to do. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. So we focus on him. He's the one we're following. If you're a Christ follower, that's who you follow. You're, You're following him. And he tells us what to stop. He He tells us and strengthens us. To stay under pressure to do right, to accomplish his work and goals for us. And we're going to walk through a story today that shows the importance of keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus as we go to do his will. Uh, Practically, what what it means to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus is to put our faith in him and look at every situation from his angle and what he might be trying to do in the situation, in the circumstance, and set out to do what he wants us to do the way he wants us to do it. That's that's how we practically keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. One thing for sure, Jesus always leads his followers to go forward in faith. Let's look at a story it, it started as a simple lake crossing, and it becomes an opportunity for Jesus to teach his disciples another lesson about faith. The, the 12 closest followers of Christ while he was here on earth spent three years with him. Uh, day and night, they walked through life together. And as life flowed by, he used those opportunities to teach his Closest followers, what it's like to follow him. And Jesus does the same for us. He, he doesn't, you may be in, uh, an experience right now that you'd rather not be in, but what he wants to do is, he doesn't want to waste that experience. He, he wants to teach you through it. He wants to, he wants you to pull away, pull out of it some, some lesson. And, and that's what he does in this, Simple lake crossing for his closest followers. What he does is he teaches us to live life in faith 
through our circumstances. Now, this was a, a very dramatic event that comes about, and it highlights our need to fix our eyes on, on Jesus. In Matthew 14, what you see is at the very beginning of the chapter, Jesus is teaching a large crowd. He provides, miraculously provides food for them. They're near the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is tired. He's been teaching, working with the crowds all day, uh, speaking with them, helping them. And so he sends his 12 disciples across the Sea of Galilee in a boat. And his intent is to catch up with them later, and he was going to go on a mountain and pray. So he's, he's on the mountain and pray. So here, here's where we're going to pick up the story in verse 23 of Matthew 14. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land. Buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So a storm starts stirring up. The, the 12 disciples, the closest followers of Jesus, they're on the boat. They're heading across. Jesus is up on the mountain to pray. And this stir, storm starts forming. And the 12 guys in the boat, like I said, they're Jesus' closest followers. But they've been watching him do some amazing things. He's healed the sick. He's turned water into wine. He fed a massive crowd with five loaves and two fishes. But here they are on a boat in the middle of the sea in a horrendous storm. Not, not a place I would want to be. Um, their leader, whom they know could help them, who has the power to help and calm the storm, is nowhere to be found. So this is what you see in verse 25. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. So he, he, Jesus starts walking toward them. Now, the night is divided into four watches. This is the fourth watch. The first watch was from 6 to 9 p.m. The second watch was from 9 to 12 p.m. The third watch from 12 to 3 in the morning, 12 midnight to 3 in the morning. The fourth watch, 3 to 6 a.m. So they've been on the boat. It said it was evening, so the, the sun was going down. They've been on the boat about nine hours. And it, it's been a rough ride. <laughs> I mean, they're, uh, you know, they're getting tossed around in this boat. And... As the storm rages, Jesus walks right through the danger that they're experiencing. And he walks toward them. And he's, he's going to go help out. Matthew 14, 26 says, When the disciples saw him walk on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Now, I, do, I personally don't blame them for, for saying this. <laughs> put, put yourself... In the middle of the sea, on a boat, with 11 other people, and this storm's raging, and some guy starts walking toward you. You're not thinking that's a real person, are you? I mean, you're, you're, I think that's a good call. They, they thought they were in a horror film. They thought they were living a true life horror movie. 
they panic. They're in full panic mode. And even though they've seen Jesus' power over creation, they're, they're full on into fear. They have, they dive right in. 1427 says, Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. The first thing Jesus does is he speaks to them. When I'm afraid, there is nothing that calms me like a word from God. Nothing at all. And courage isn't a lack of fear. It's doing what we need to do in spite of our fear. And Jesus and and his spirit fill me with courage when I need it, if I'll listen to what he's saying to me in the moment. Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God used that passage many times to to calm me, to speak into my heart, to give me the courage I need to do the next thing that lied before me. Um, We were waiting, Cindy and I were waiting uh, for the birth of our first grandchild. Um, I don't think we knew, we, no, I know that we didn't know it was a boy at the time, but Blake was born uh, over six years ago. And uh, I'm going to try to tell this story and get through it. You know how I am if you've been here before. If you don't, hey, it happens, I cry. Um, but anyway, we were uh, we were waiting for... Monday, this this is the week before uh, he was going to be scheduled to be born the next week or something induced or something like that. And so we're waiting, and then we got word that there was a problem with him. They they did a, an ultrasound. They found out that his his head was bigger than his stomach. I never knew that was a problem. You know, or it was, no, not, well, I think, I don't know if your head's bigger than your stomach normally. I'm not a doctor. But anyway, we found out there was a problem because they didn't line up right. So his stomach was way smaller than it should be, it seemed, from the, the ultrasound. So I get the word at work on a Wednesday morning. We were going to fly out Monday. I I I hear from... I, Cindy happened to be working at the office, and I, I said, okay, well, what can I say? I went back to work. And uh, then Cindy and I ended up talking because I, I couldn't concentrate. You know, I'm praying and thinking this thing through. and So um, we somebody provides a way for us to get there that day. So miles. Somebody had miles. They get they, we, So we end up. At the hospital, on the same day we find out there's a problem, and it's if you Google it, which you don't want to do, Google that problem, you find out, you know, there's some pretty horrible things that can be. And so anyway, we get to the hospital, they induce Gina, it takes three days, and but when we get there, everybody's tense. You know, the other grandparents are there. Uh, friends of ours, Harold and Deborah Bullock, we're in the waiting room, and while we're in the waiting room, 
Thad texts us. He texts this verse. And immediately, in that moment, I was strengthened. I knew that God had it in under control, that he was in charge. God has used this passage and many others like it to settle my fears and provide the courage to trust and obey him. Have you ever experienced God speaking to you to calm your fears? I hope you have, and I hope you do. Because there is nothing like that. That's why Jesus spoke. The very first thing he said, or did, was say, Hey, I'm here. Take courage. Don't be afraid. That's what God does. Back to Jesus and his disciples. 14, 28, or um, 20, yeah, 28 through 33. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Now, in my estimation, this wasn't necessary. Peter didn't have to get out of the boat and start walking toward Jesus. But I think Jesus thought, hey, all right. Let's just go for it, Peter. This is how Peter was. He's kind of impulsive. Go for it. And Jesus is thinking, I'm just going to use this as an object lesson for all time. (laughs) And, you know, God can pull that off. So this is what happened. Peter gets out of the boat. He starts walking on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus and looks at his circumstances, and he begins to sink. This is the lesson. This is... Is that a fantastic object lesson or what? <laughs> I mean, I can't put that together. I could, I could bring a couple, you know, pitchers of water and mix them up and change the color or something with food coloring. And, it, you know, I can do that kind of object lesson. God can do an amazing object lesson here. And that's what he does. He, he let, you know, Jesus, says, Peter, yeah, come on out of the boat, and people for centuries are going to learn from watching you or from hearing about what you did. He didn't really need to, to walk on it, but here's the lesson. In the storm, don't wallow in your circumstances and fret over them. Focus your eyes on Jesus and trust him to help you. In other words, don't keep running the worst-case scenarios. Don't just let your thoughts swirl like a storm. Don't just keep them moving, moving, moving. You ever been in a situation where you're afraid to stop thinking about it because you somehow you think that's gonna, there's gonna, it's not gonna help. you you know, it's up to you to. I gotta, I gotta keep this in mind. I gotta, I gotta think about it. I gotta think about how it's gonna work out. 
when we do that, we're paralyzed. We, we can't do what we need to do next. Focus on Jesus, what he wants you to do, and he will give you the courage to do it. Something I know from the Bible and by my own experience is that when I step out to follow God, there, there's going to be storm-like resistance. If you aim to do his will, there will be pushback. It's going to be a fight. There's going to be a tremendous amount of resistance. Just getting to, to church on Sunday. Think about what it took to get here. There's a lot of resistance. If you're a Christ follower, or if you're thinking about committing your life to follow Christ as Lord and boss, one thing to know is he will lead you to step out of your comfort zone in faith. He's going to do that. You may sense his direction to step out right now. But fear, insecurity, or not knowing how it's going to work out is pinning you to the chair. It's, it's holding you there, so to speak. If we let fear, insecurity, or uncertainty rule and we refuse to go, our story remains the same. Storyline does not change any kind of direct uh, trajectory at all. In this series, we've been trying to learn how to live a story worth telling. God wants to work with us to give us this kind of story. A story that we really want to tell. Often, my part and your part, if you choose to cooperate with God in writing your story, is to decide to go when it would be easier to stay. We know when it's time to go by fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the one that's telling us, okay, this is where you need to stop. This is, you need to stay. We need to stay when it's related to accomplishing his goals. When the pressures comes as we're doing his will, we need to go when it's all about our comfort. We just want, I just want to stay on the couch. I don't want to go. I just want to stay doing what I'm doing and continue in that way. One of Jesus' followers, or one of the ways Jesus' followers are commanded to go is to be a witness to people who don't yet follow him and share the good news about his grace with them. When I was 21, I'm, I'm, I'm an introvert and I used to be shy. I learned there's a difference. There's, there's introversion where you get your energy and then there's shyness, which means you have t- trouble just opening your mouth and talking to people. I'm not shy anymore. Hopefully you've noticed that. Um, but I'm, I am introverted, but back when I was 21, I was shy and introverted. And it just, I had grown up in church, and one of the things I'd heard my entire life is that I need to tell others about Jesus Christ and what it means to follow him. And frankly, that just scared me to death. So I had spent years talking about it and not doing it. But when I was 21, I decided I've got to go. And what that meant was I have got to start trying to figure out how to 
connect with people, get to know them, find out if they're interested in hearing about Jesus Christ, and then sharing about Jesus Christ with them. This was something I decided I'm going to figure out how to do that or I'm going to die trying. That's what I decided when I was going. Because, hey, think, think about it. I had already decided to go into the ministry at that time full time. I was already heading toward vocational ministry when I was 21. I thought, hey, I got to, I can't fake it the rest of my life. I mean, this is a part of what it means to help other people. So I need to figure out how to do it. So I was working at Riverside Poly High School at the time. I was a peer advisor. The students called me a narc. I wasn't a narc, but if they came up and showed me their drugs, I had to bring them to the office and they got busted. Um, but I was a peer advisor, and one of my coworkers was Larry, big, huge guy, very intimidating. He, he was, I had volunteered at Juvenile Hall and found out that he was, he had the reputation of being the toughest uh, counselor at Juvenile Hall. And just being there in the environment, it's a pretty tough environment. It's, it's, it's just a, a teenage version of prison, basically. And um, he, he's a tough guy, intimidating guy. But God laid it on my heart to begin to connect with Larry to find out if he was interested in deciding to follow Christ or knowing about what it meant to follow Christ. And so um, I began to take initiative in conversations to find out about his religious background, to find out if he was interested in knowing more about Christ. And to my surprise, he was very interested. I was like, wow, okay, that, that's a shocker. And so he loved to play backgammon. So I started going to his house. He, we would play backgammon. He, he also loved bourbon. He would drink bourbon. I would drink Coca-Cola or some other soda, and we would just talk. And for me, this is risky. This is scary. But the Lord gave me the help to push past the fear of connecting with him and sharing the good news with him. Now, at one point, I asked him if he'd like to hear what the Bible says is necessary to commit your life to Christ. And, you know, there, there's, there's booklets that have a, a sort of a condensed version of what Christianity is all about and what Jesus did to allow us to relate to God. And again, I was shocked, and he said yes. So I pull out this bullet, booklet. Bullet? Wow. And uh, I pull out this booklet, and I'm reading it to him, and I'm, I'm shaking. So it tells the whole story about Christ, what it means to follow him, what he did to pay, pay for our sins on the cross. And, and at, at the end, I, I say, hey, Larry, uh, are you interested in doing that? And he says, yes. So at this point, I'm... I'm like, wow, okay. I said, well, you know, Larry, if if Jesus were to come into your life, he would want to come into your life as Lord or boss. That means he would want to change some things. Can you think of some things he would want you to change? He said, yeah, I can think of some things. I said, now, I'm 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 just trying to make sure that he knows what he's getting into here. All right. Then I draw a circle. I slice it into pieces of pie. I said, you know, Larry, 
right now you're at the center of your life. You're you're calling the shots with your finances. Your um, your your relationships, your work, your money. Yeah, I already said money, but uh, recreation, what you do in your spare time, how you handle your time, and. It, right now, you're in the center. If Jesus becomes your boss, he comes into the center and he begins to call the shots in each of these areas. That's what it means to follow Christ. Are you, are you willing to make Jesus the boss of your life and let him call the shots? And he said yes. And I, I told him he could pray a prayer. And asked Jesus to be the boss of his life and let him begin to call the shots, and he did. And I watched him change. I watched him change over the next several months and years that I knew him. If I had not decided to go and to figure this out, my life would not have changed. My storyline would have remained the same. This, the, the scared introverted, shy guy who didn't take initiative to share the truth with the people around him. If I had never obeyed the Lord's God call to go, I would have missed the opportunity to witness an amazing thing. Larry's life changed. For my part, I need to go. And ask God to help me face down my fears. If, if I didn't go, then my life story would have stayed the same. Now, I have many stories like this. Some steps bigger than others. Some smaller. Uh, I was meeting with our campus pastor in Alhambra. Uh, I think it was in the last week. And Alex Barrett. And Alex was talking about he's going to go plant a church. He's going to go start a church in North Fontana. And he was he's basically at the stage right now where he's, he's thinking, how is this going to happen? <laughs> I'm going to go to an area. We've got a team. How, how is a church going to grow out of our efforts? And he said, look, I have no idea what, what I need to do. And it took me back. To Well, I was able, first of all, I was able to give him a couple things to focus on right now, but it took me back to when we started Church in the Valley and how afraid I was and how I had no idea how God was going to use Cindy and I to start this church. And when I started church in the valley 30 years ago i was insecure i couldn't see how god was going to pull this off through me particularly and i could only see past the first couple of steps i could only see the first couple of steps but along the way he provided he guided us and more importantly he spoke into our hearts exactly when we needed it And this is what he wants to do with you. Where do you need to go right now? If God is leading you to go, and you refuse to walk through the door that he's opening, that he's encouraging you to walk through, your story will stay the same. 
If you're a Christ follower, maybe you need to begin to identify with Christ or share a word of testimony or invite a coworker or a friend to church. Hey, I've been going to church. Would you like to come with me? It might be that you need to take initiative. A coworker you've noticed, they're down. They're, they're, maybe they're a little private. They like to keep to themselves. But you just need to check on them. Specifically ask them, how are you doing? Can I help in any way? Not push. But just ask. It, it, maybe a friendship or a family relationship is messed up. Maybe there's a problem, a fracture. You need to go and reconcile. That's how you need to go. You need to go straighten it out. Take responsibility for your part of the problem and ask forgiveness. It may be that God is nudging you to go help a neighbor. You, you see them working on something and... You need to go help them. Maybe that opens a door to a new kind of relationship with your neighbor that wouldn't exist. Maybe you need to get ready to go and do something if you're asked. You just need to get ready. Maybe it's baptism. We have a baptism coming up next week. Jesus commanded us to, once you've decided to follow Christ, next, be baptized. And then learn... Uh, how to follow him, learn how to obey his commands. Uh, maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe you need to step out and obey him in baptism. That could be your next step for him. I don't know what it is, but every one of us, if we've decided to follow Christ, there's some way that we need to go. If you haven't yet decided to follow Christ, um, Maybe what you can do is go to meet with someone who can share the heart of Christianity with you, explain what Jesus has done, and help you understand more about it so you can consider whether or not to give your life to him like Larry did. We'd love to help you know what the Bible says about that. There's a On the back of your connection card... There's a box that says um, on the very right, uh, right-hand side of the back, meet up to clarify my commitment to Christ. So maybe you'd like to do that. That's how you can go today. There are all kinds of ways, but we need to decide to go, to take the risks wisely that God is laying on our, our hearts. In this series, we've looked at four decisions that we need to make that allow God to work with us to write a new story in our lives, to start walking with Jesus in the first place, to stop counterproductive thoughts and habits, to stay under the pressure that we're under, and then today to go. The decisions you make today determine the stories you tell tomorrow. The way God is, he's not going to force you to do his will. It's up to you to decide. Will you follow his lead? And let him write the story that he wants to write. In a moment, we're going to receive the offering. Uh, if you would, please finish out uh, filling out the front of the connection card if you haven't yet. On the back, there are some next steps. I have a couple of suggestions for you. Um, here, here's my suggestions. First one, for the first time, I accept Jesus Christ as Savior and commit my life to him as Lord. Let us know if you are at a point where you're ready to do that. The second step, 
decide to go and. So maybe God's laid something on your heart that you've been nervous about and you're ready to go take the step, the risk. And then there's there's another spot, just a blank below it, if you'd like to fill in another step that God's laid on your heart to take. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth that we see in your word. And we we just we need your strengthening, we need your courage. And I pray that God you'd fill us and strengthen us and help us to do what pleases you and give us the power to take the steps you've laid on our hearts to take. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.